Trevilian Next is a division of Trevilian, a financial services specialist search and talent advisory firm. Since inception, the Trevilian team has dedicated itself to enhancing the return on investment of a company's most important resource, its people. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Love, head of banking and fintech at Trevilian. Super excited about today's program. And the gist of it is, with the convergence of technology and banking, we are inspired by innovation and the future of banking. The banking climate requires creativity and a forward-thinking mindset to remain competitive. Trevilian's Tech Forward Bank Index originated in 2020 to shine a light on the leaders in the convergence between community banking and fintech. The index is comprised of a group of banks that are the most innovative, and they came together as a community. Our thought was, you know, this is, these are the banks that are all disrupting, and it's one place where we can look at most of those banks. Our index provides the opportunity to share ideas and showcase thought leadership to others in the industry who may be starting their own innovation journeys themselves. So we're extremely excited to kick back into high gear and introduce three new innovative banks onto Trevelyan's Tech Forward Bank Index. Thread Bank, and here with us is Chris Black, Chief Executive Officer. Hi, Chris. Brian, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. You bet. First Bank, and with us is Chief Innovations Officer, Wade Peary. Hey, Brian. Thank you. Nice to see you both again. And Stride Bank, with us is President of Payments, Jimmy Stallings. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Brian. Well, we'll dig in. And Jimmy, since I introduced you last, let's go to you first. Sure. So let's talk about Stride. It's okay. a bank many may never have heard of nationally, but you are behind one of the biggest fintechs in the country. So tell us how it all started and how you took a path towards these fintech partnerships. And then also tell us a little bit more about the payments solutions that you're providing in your particular division. And then the one thing I also wanted to ask you as my final question here is, how did the buy-in begin at Stride to get into something that was probably a complete pivot away from community banking? Sure. So I guess to, to talk about um, Stride, we, we go back, you know, we were chartered uh, in 1913 out of Enid, Oklahoma, Central National Bank and Trust. And we've always been a fairly tech-forward bank, at least starting in the 60s, where we were um, running our own ATM networks and ATM networks for other uh, community banks in the area. Uh, we, we worked with Fed when they rolled out ACH. We were one of the first banks to embrace that in the 70s. And so it, naturally, I think, even though we're a community bank in rural Oklahoma, we'd always kind of had a tech forward presence. And so as the industry evolved, um, we were, you know, we were engaged in, in what evolved into fintech back in the early 2000s, which was prepaid. And so, you know, we had a lot of, um, again, looking at the, the, the market in, in rural Oklahoma, it was pretty evident to our CEO that through the, the bank's tie to oil and agriculture, which are the two driving economic um, kind of engines in that part of the world, that that probably wasn't a good long-term plan. And we needed a way to diversify that didn't involve bricks and mortar in, in uh, rural parts of Oklahoma. And so as, as prepaid started and, and, you know, we had all kinds of um, programs I mean, we were our own processor for a while, we, um, we looked at different avenues. And so it was a very circuitous path and one that our board um, was supportive of, because I think we all recognized that, that the, the future of, of community banking in rural Oklahoma was not necessarily as bright as, as some other areas. And so we, we started getting involved with these companies uh, back, you know, in the early 2000s. And, and honestly, you know, at, a, at that point in time, I was an external board member and, and we always joked because it was always the next big thing. And fortunately for us, we were in the right place at the right time with the right partners in uh, 2019 as, um, you know, we started to scale with uh, uh, Chime as, as one of our big fintech partners. Uh, we also have programs with Lyft and DoorDash through a program uh manager called Payfair, a publicly traded company out of Canada. And, you know, there were definitely winners and losers through the, uh, through the pandemic. And, and luckily for us, the, the timing on, on several of those programs um, really allowed us to scale very, very quickly. And so we, 
Um, we feel like we've been in this market a long time. We'd spent a lot of, of money investing in the infrastructure between our uh, IT and our risk departments that we felt like were needed. Um, so our board made the conscious decision to um, to, to go this path, uh, again, probably 20 years ago, and it continued to build out on that. And then finally, um, we, we, like I said, just happened to uh, be in the right place at the right time with the right partner. So it's worked out very well for us. I appreciate that, Jimmy. And it sounds like the DNA of innovation goes back a long way. It does. So it's, yeah, it's nice to hear that that has kind of, you know, the, pat, the torch has been passed. Let me turn it over to Indra. Yeah, first of all, welcome everyone. I am Indre Langevin, Head of Strategic Advisory at Trevelyan. We will next go to Chris. Chris, tell us about Threat Bank and how it came to be and why embracing technology is so important for your future of your bank. No, thanks, Indra. So I, I think it's it's simple in our case. Uh, it's the reason for being, it's, it's why we did this. So a group of investors, uh, private, kind of traditional bank, private equity, uh, fintech focused, uh, folks with a lot of venture capital background, family offices, myself, kind of group, group of like-minded individuals came together with the mindset that where banking is going, where community banking is going, um, you know, is no different than it's been for the last hundred years or more. It's always been about deposits, loans, capital liquidity. We add payments into that. Maybe one day, you know, we'll be talking about software on top of that, but that's what it's always been. Uh, but it's what, it, how, how do we deliver? That's what has changed all through the years. And so that's nothing new this time, right? That, that the delivery mechanisms of the banking products and services should change. And so we recapitalized uh, what was Civis Bank, which was a very small uh, rural community bank in East Tennessee. We did that back in May of 2021 with the express desire and, and really the strategy from day one to build embedded uh, banking solutions, really main street solutions. Uh, you know, these are our customers who either used to come to bank branches, still are, but they're not being well served, or perhaps uh, have never really fit into a bank because the bank wasn't able to understand them. The bank wasn't taking the products and services to the customer where they are. And so that's been our mission from day one. So again, you know, mainline, uh, straight line, main street economy type ideas and, and products and services, but delivered to where customers are, uh, where they're most efficiently accessed. And there's a tremendous amount of uh, customer stickiness uh, and, and really all types of good things that come from taking that approach. But that was day one. And the only way you can do it by is fully embracing uh, technology. A lot of that, you know, is technology that's been around for uh, many years, but has to be reconfigured, redeployed. And in other cases, it's it's brand new technology uh, that has to be built and, and innovated from the ground up. Thanks, Chris. I mean, given your commitment to technology, like, could you just share with us, like, what does Thread mean to you? Yeah, the so the name Thread, yeah, we, we, we uh, took a while to get there to, to really describe, but we wanted the name to describe what we do and, and who we are. And so thread means simply to embed, just like, you know, a thread can either be woven into a piece of fabric uh, as one thread at a time, and, but it, you can deeply embed into that. Or if you bring multiple threads together, you can actually create new fabric. So if we're bringing the embedded deposits, embedded lending, and imbe embedded payment solutions together, uh, and that creates a, a fabric, a stickiness, uh, like I talked about, and those things tend to accrue, but, but there's nothing new about that. Right. This is relationship banking that's been in existence from the beginning, but deployed, uh, managed and scaled through the use of technology. But it's really the same exact. It's focus on the customer, focus on our platform partners and how do we bring to them and deliver uh, with them the type of customer experience that that modern banking customers are looking for. Right. Thank you. I'll turn it over to Brian. Well, it's funny. I was thinking, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, they just created threads, right? So I wonder if he's going to be knocking at your door like he knocked at Meta and took their name, MetaBank. <laughs> so. yeah, you know, he can always call if he'd like to. Uh, <laughs> All right, we'll make sure we'll tag him in the uh, when we put this on social media. Um, no, you don't, you don't need to do that. That's all right. I know, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> um, let's go to Wade. Um, 
you know, wait, I, obviously, I don't mean to insult you in any way, but First Bank is a bank that few will say was or is currently a tech forward bank. I mean, Chris just mentioned legacy and you got you're the largest bank among this trio. Um, however, the more we've gotten to know you, the more we've seen some of these you know, unique initiatives that you're pushing out and getting buy-in for across your organization. So I'd love for you to tell us what you're working on and how you've been pushing that innovation envelope at First Bank. Yeah, so thank you, Brian. And it's, it's really not different. I mean, we all came from, from legacy institutions, right? And it happens that First Bank was founded in, uh, well, we were 117 years old, 1907, so uh, six. And so, you know, I would categorize us as being very entrepreneurial through the years. And I think somewhere along the way, entrepreneurial becomes innovative. And as we thought about things uh, a couple of years ago in 2021, thinking about our strategic direction, I think we all as a leadership team just felt like, hey, if we're going to be relevant for a, a, another lengthy run here, it has to really think, it has to look like innovation. We have to begin to lean into some of the technology solutions. And as Chris said, it's, you know, it's, it's meeting your customer where they are. Uh, and so as we've evolved this over the last year or so, it's really come down to three, I'll call them work streams that we think about. Um, and one is just simply uh, a venture capital fund. You know, if you're going to walk the walk and talk the talk, you, you're going to have to put some money in play. And so we have uh, seeded a couple of companies with, you know, that, that align with some strategic, strategic initiatives and ideas that we've had. Um, we have been part of Series A rounds. We, we've done several things in that space. Um, and, you know, from there, again, we think we think about embedded banking. Uh, I think just like these two guys, it, it's a distribution channel from our viewpoint. I mean, it's it's clear to me to see that fintechs are acquiring customers and sometimes at a faster rate than traditional banks are. And, and it's because they are very focused, very segment driven and very solution oriented. And, and so if you, you know, if you're competing with that, it's hard to ignore it. So we felt like building partnerships there in that space would be important to us. And it has uh, it's taken shape again, spent a lot of time and energy on risk and compliance resources to make sure we do that the very right way. Uh, and we think that's uh, that's that's a non-starter. But the third piece of that, I think this is where the values really come back to the bank is as we you know, as I have a team of folks who are out and about in the environment and learning and, and just visiting with fintechs and, and numbers and large numbers of folks. Uh, we also consult our business segments now. So it's it's an easy way to see the world come back from that, you know, outside your own four walls and help this traditional bank along. So. That's the way we're thinking about it, uh, and I think that the key here is we just we just eventually flip the switch from entrepreneurial to innovate entrepreneur to innovator, and I'm not sure there's a big difference in that actually at the end of the day. And Wade, there was one particular fintech that you you were dealing with, and I think it's public now. If it's not, no, you don't have to talk about it. But it was a particular asset class for lending um, that I thought really struck me as pretty ingenious and very nichey. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it's a company, the, the name of the company is Zippy MH. And so First Bank acquired Clayton Bank in 2018. Well, Clayton, that's that Clayton is the Jim Clayton of Clayton Homes who sold to Berkshire Hathaway. So we inherited a, uh, a manufactured housing lending business, right? And most of that business is non-real estate. It's just chattel loans. So we noticed uh, if you compared that business to buying a, a traditional home or even buying a car or an RV or something like that, tremendously high friction in that space. Uh, and, and it just was, it wasn't, it, it is a niche. No one had spent any time and energy on it, a very tightly controlled marketplace. Uh, and so we had begun the process of finding some folks to help us build technology and, and thinking about a company, uh, another entity, and came across uh the folks from Zippy who had been flying in stealth mode for about a year and were ready to go to market. So it was just a, you know, a hand in glove fit for us to bring expertise, credit, knowledge, and background risk management to, to, to couple with the technology. So we did that. Um, and that's been quite a nice outcome to this day. You know, those guys are doing, uh, I just know this from last Friday, they've got 600 loans in their pipeline today. And that's from a start of zero in October. So uh, working quite well. We're really excited about it. And part of that, that thought process was we also did a forward flow loan agreement, a purchase agreement with them. So 
if you look at what it cost us to manufacture that loan versus what we can buy that loan for, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for us. So super happy with that one, but that was really our first, um, our first endeavor. And we, we, we made a $10 million investment in that company. So, so we weren't kidding around on that one. Wow. Well, thanks for that, Wade. I appreciate you telling that story. Uh, Indra, turn it over to you. Okay, thanks, Brian. Um, my next question is for Chris and Jimmy. What differentiates your business model versus the traditional banking model? Tell us what is your primary objective? Is it um, for the digital transformation? Is it revenue diversification, cost optimization, or efficiency? What is your unique digital vision? It's, it's a blend, Indra. Of you know, we're looking to be uh, as traditional. You know, you really deploy traditional banking practices, risk mindset, all of these things, right? This is what banks do extremely well. And truly what differentiates banks is that along with FDIC, right? The, the, uh, our ability to fund uh, a business and a balance sheet with more security um, and, and with, with more certainty. And just from a customer standpoint, that advantage that that gives us after that, it's kind of like I said before on, on the principles of banking, you know, we are looking to minimize to the maximum extent possible we can both interest rate risk and credit risk. And so that's a different approach. And that, that means that we're not going to be someone who defines ourselves on the size of our balance sheet, perhaps, but more the, the efficiency of the balance sheet. Uh, what do we do? How do we deploy that balance sheet? And so that means we'll you know, certainly deploy it in, in traditional uh, you know, dimensions. But I don't think that's going to be what separates us. What will separate us is our ability and, and the ability for partners to really count on uh, our different risk profile and, and how that will be deployed. And I think the benefits of that, the intangible benefits that will accrue uh, for years into the future when we've, we've changed our paradigm and we've changed our focus. And it's funny, the in, in the banking world, we all know this, about the first or second question that is always asked or answered or or offered is how big are you? You know how how big are you? And I don't think that that is the winning uh, recipe for the future for all banks. I think different banks can have different roles. And I'm I mean Wade describing Zippy. Like I'm I'm so proud of that. Uh, obviously, I know the First Bank team really well. Know Wade uh, really well. Got my start. Uh, with with Chris Holmes and and the whole team at First Bank, so I've got a very large debt of gratitude to their to that bank and their team. But to see that's the deployment, like, that's what I'm proud of. That's what every bank in this country should be focused on doing. That on what do they do special? What's the value proposition? And then how can they utilize technology to differentiate and really enhance what they're doing and and how they go to market, how they serve their customers. So it's different for every bank. Uh, and, and I think you'll start to see, like we're talking about different pockets and different banks approaching banking in different ways. Thanks. So how do you see, like given where you are, like in five years, do you see a significant change in how you are going to um, deploy technology for your bank? We like to say that we are, uh, we're evolutionary, not revolutionary in that sense. So yeah, I think when, when we look out five years, it's our ability to embed and to thread together, right, the various product offerings and then and to give customers what they're looking for, when they're looking for it. Amazon, I don't think any of us give many thoughts about how Amazon actually gets a package to your house from the click to, you know, whoever dropped it off. It could be UPS, could be FedEx, could be the USPS, it could be a contractor at Christmas time. Right when they're surging, pull up, pulling up in their personally owned car, we, we tend to gloss over the immense amount of integration and all the logistics they've behind the scenes, and even the different channels of that final delivery that they have going. So it's more about the experience and giving customers what they want uh, than maybe focus on exactly what the technology and and how you got there necessarily. Right. Thank you, Chris. Um, Jimmy, we'll go on to you next. Sure. I think that, and it was mentioned earlier that you know a lot of the, um, the the fintech companies out there that have gotten traction and have been able to uh, to establish themselves in the marketplace are are doing that because they're able to appeal to the consumer or the business 
in a way that traditional banking can't, or at least hasn't in the past. And so from our perspective, looking at um, uh, what we were a traditional community bank, um, you know, but but didn't have a huge consumer presence and leveraging these fintech partners that are really good at marketing and really good at innovating and, and figuring out what the customer wants provides us a, a completely different avenue of for most for most of the payment space, it's fee-based income. And it's a very nice um, part of our portfolio to be able to have fee-based income when we're in a rate environment like we are today and we can take advantage of some of those deposits. And the corollary or the almost the hedge to that is our mortgage group, right? So as as rates tend to go back down, the mortgage market becomes you know busier, still fee income, still good use for balance sheet, but but the the payments world creates um, that that balance to uh, allow the what we think about it as 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 protecting ourselves against the rate environment because we we feel like we're we're in a good spot from um, from high rate environment, but as rates go down, then we're able to look at other parts of our our portfolio and and as a bank, it's it's a good balance for us. Um, as far as technology goes, you know the the thing that we're able I mean, the, that we're able to leverage now is having millions of customers, millions of transactions, understanding a consumer in a way that we haven't before, or even a business or a gig worker. Um, it gives us some insights into not only um, I mean the economy as a whole at some level. I mean, we see where the loads and the spends come from. We understand how those those areas are trending. And and from a bank that has traditionally had a, a, a regional footprint at best, now we've got a, a national footprint and really can kind of understand the national economic cycles a little bit better um, and, and try to leverage that both on the, the payment side and also on the fintech lending side is one of our strategic objectives, hopefully in the next five years. Uh, that we'll get, I think the banks that can do both are going to be uh, in a very good position as as we move forward. Thanks. So just going back to your point on deposits, like what's your competitive advantage in gathering deposit given the challenges that banks are facing today? I would say the competitive advantage is having really good partners who know how to how market and service accounts very well. Um, you know, the one of the things we've done the last, you know, several months is explaining to regulators and networks how the 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 crisis that happened in, in the mid-sized banking world was um, very eye-opening. But for us, where some of those banks had hundreds of accounts worth billions of dollars, we've got millions of accounts worth hundreds of dollars. We're, we're kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum. So as we look at you know, the, you know, some of these banks that are seeing a runoff in deposits, our, our deposit mix is so much different because it is so small dollars, but a large number of accounts that we really don't feel that that's that's ever, I, I mean, I could come up with some doomsday scenarios, but it would have to be very severe um, changes to the economy at, at, at a very macro level before it would tend to have that kind of impact on, on our deposit base. So we really feel comfortable with that, and it's proven very well in the last few months in terms of our deposit retention. Thanks. Brian, do you have anything to add? Well, no, I was going to change the uh, subject a little bit to something that's close to home. You know, obviously, Trevelyan in essence, is, is a recruitment firm for talent uh, within the community bank space. That's what we do. That's what we uh, we do best. Um, so I wanted to ask a question about talent. Um, you know, we work with a lot of tech forward banks. Some of them are, you know, further along than, than all three of you. Some of them are, you know, just starting their journeys. Um, we see a lot of banks that, you know, there are community banks, they decide to get into tech forward banking, BAS, payments, whatever, and then it catches fire and eclipses some of the current talent. And then there's a need for much more um, well-rounded talent to be sought after. We've done fintech president searches. We did four of them last year for tech forward banks. So my question to you is, you know, how do you consider your talent strategy when you're 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 going to engage in this tech forward strategy, um, do you have do you look at that first? Are you kind of playing catch up as you go? Um, what is what is the talent strategy? And I guess let me go to Wade first, and then Chris, and then Jimmy. Sure, um, I, I think it is it is the uh, it's, it's number one one A and one B in in our strategy. Right, it's having the right people to help us build out the platform, and I think. You know, we're we've been building at that for a good number of months now. We've had the benefit of seeing in the rear view of what happened to some of the banks that maybe didn't take that approach, right? And so we quickly uh, 
really thought about this as a compliance legal first framework, right? If you get that piece in place uh, from diligence to building out your risk and your control mechanisms, um, I, I think that you have a winning recipe right there. I, I just find that there are so many really great fintechs out there that maybe aren't quite bank ready yet. And so I think you have to be willing to help bring them forward. Uh, and at the same time, I mean, it, it is it, it is to answer the, the, the bell of the regulators. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, for us, and you, you know that as you helped us with that, and so kindly brought us a really great person to help us head up that whole area, uh, probably the best investment we've made to date was on the people side, and we continue to build that out. So I, I'm a firm believer that you need the right talent to really uh, play in the partnership space, bass space, I mean, any of it, right? So that, that, that's, that's been our number one um, priority as, as we build this out. Chris? Yeah, it, similar answer, really. It, it People is always, you know, it, it's always the thing, um, whether it's business, community, family, sports teams, everything hinges on on the people and having alignment and finding the right balance. And so that's what, you know, as we started this effort, it was the recognition uh, that banking is is critical and having bank expertise is the most important thing. At the same time, however, having a, a true balance and really strong kind of folks who have been uh, entrepreneurs, innovators in technology, whether that meant they were driving the companies, they were managing risk, uh, developing product, but people who are really uh, from outside the banking world. And so that's what that we found a lot of success in kind of, you know, being half bank, half fintech, or maybe 60% bank, 40% fintech. I, I don't know what the ratio looks like, but that's been, that's been big uh, because it's, you know, in, in the non-bank folks, we've brought them mostly from a background where they dealt with banks or dealt with, with regulated industries. And so these weren't foreign concepts. They knew this, um, but, but candidly, they didn't have uh, kind of warped paradigms that's been warped by the banking system for many, many years. And so um, having the right mix of that, of people who are going to challenge the status quo, going to challenge those paradigms, but then strong leaders with the banking experience who understand how to shape and channel that industry. And so it's been very attractive for us. You know, we're in Nashville uh, as well. So a great place to, to live and uh, not the most difficult place to recruit people come. So it's been a nice blend of kind of all those factors that, uh, and, and then we've got people really in, in multiple states around the country um, who we've got great work from home capabilities and uh, connectivity and interoperability. So really just a, a blend of all those things. And Jimmy, before, before you answer, I realize these two guys are in Nashville, one of the fastest growing cities in the entire country. I know you're in Enid, you got OKC and Tulsa to your east, but um, in, in your response, I'd also love to hear how you go about recruiting talent if there's not like a hotbed, you know, in your, in your region. Sure. Well, I guess the first thing I'd tell you is while our bank is chartered out of Enid, I'm actually in Tulsa and most of our executive team is in Tulsa or Oklahoma okay. city for similar reasons. But, um, but I would say we have an operations center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we've got a branch in Salt Lake city, Utah. And, and truly it is because that's where the talent is. Those are where the, the, I guess the centers of excellence for if you look at payments in Sioux Falls, I mean, that really kind of evolved out of the credit card space. And then in Salt Lake, the, the fintech lending world kind of, you know, between FEB, web. Um, so uh, those were the areas where we we literally uh, were, were strategic in, in trying to establish a footprint um, for, for recruiting. Uh, the other thing I would say is we do have people in Scottsdale and LA and, you know, they are spread out and the, the, the environment we live in, as, as Chris mentioned, where you've got a nice blend of, of work from home um, and actual um, office space uh, is something that we've really embraced. And, and it creates challenges from a management standpoint that we haven't had to deal with before. But I think the technology's gone a long way in solving that. And, and now, you know, and people are, we try and make it a point to have in-person meetings quarterly, but, but so we can establish that human relationship. Um, but it is something that that has evolved and certainly was not where the bank was at five years ago. Uh, but we've embraced that. Uh, and as far as just talent, you know, the, I think 
what Wade said. I mean, you have to start with risk and compliance if you want to really um, operate in the space and, and not have regulatory problems or challenges. Um, and there's a, a balance there between um, finding talent that understands what the evolution in banking looks like versus traditional banking. And so we have leveraged both um, folks that come out of the, the traditional banking world, folks that come out of the payments world, third-party processors, network people, all of those folks have been uh, additions to what would normally be a traditional community bank. And we've, um, I feel like, been fairly successful in that. But but that's really been the key is looking outside of a traditional bank um, hiring pool and, and looking at, at some of our uh, critical partners and, and the, the background and the, the education that folks have coming from the, those areas as well. So that's um, that's the way we've tackled it. So I, I want to do something a little fun, a little bit of a lightning round on talent. So very quick responses. What are the most significant or, or um, which positions and roles or skill sets have you hired the most for within innovation? So Wade, why don't you go first? Uh, so we have hired literally at the top of the food chain, right? We, we have a, we hired a dedicated compliance and risk manager dedicated solely to innovation period and then staff underneath that. Okay, so risk and compliance from you, yep. Chris. I think, I mean, from an innovation standpoint, uh, product. So we built out. We have a chief product officer. Not many banks have that, and and that's really kind of from a a software perspective. We don't develop our own software per se, but taking the mindset and understanding uh, what what that looks like and bringing some real benefits to the to the bank's approach, the bank's mentality has been a big win. But also, um, I think compliance and, and risk, BSA, all that is absolute innovation, and it's required uh, in this, which is, seems like an oxymoron from where I came, traditional banking. But you understand how critical it is uh, in, in this in this regard. And Jimmy, how about you? Yeah, I would I would echo you know our risk and compliance team have grown exponentially, um, and also IT. You know the. The traditional banking, um, where we still have, you know, system administrators and network people and infosec folks, but but hiring database administrators and programmers that allow us to to utilize the the vast amounts of data that we now have, and then building out. Um, we we don't build out a lot of our own software, but we've had to build out an ACH engine that allows us to to manage ACH across eight different you know um, third party processors and. To be able to to provide those those types of what are traditional banking services scale that that not many banks um, are used to, so that th those two areas are probably the ones that we've delved into deepest. All right, thanks for for uh, indulging me uh, in my lightning round. But your answers are actually very indicative to the searches we're working on currently uh, with our tech forward banks. So uh, that definitely tracks well. Indra, I know you had a question that uh, offshoots off the talent. Yes, yeah, staying on the topic of talent, I want to you know, pose this question to all three of you. Tell me what is the secret of playbook for retaining best talent? I think I'll start with uh, Chris. Yeah, I, I think you know, same as it ever was in, in high-performing, high-paced environments, you've got to find people who have that flexibility, who uh, who have that that dynamism, but also are seeking balance. And so we try to do that as much as we can, you know, to find a balance for them to really help people. And, and it's really by modeling, you know, you can only say so much, but you have to do things and you have to show and you have to lead by example. So trying to do that, um, I try to make, you know, every single one of my kids sporting events in the morning, you know, whether it's going to work out, uh, making sure that people understand the full, this is a marathon, not a sprint, truly. Sometimes it feels like it's a sprinting marathon, uh, but you've got to take time. You've got to show people. And, and you tend to attract those people who uh, they, want to, they want to compete, but they want to do so in a balanced way. Uh, and you just have to show, you have to lead by example, and you can always do better. You, know, you, you can certainly always do better, but that's the, that's the approach. Thanks. Next, I'll move on to Jimmy. Sure. I think that um, providing a vision and then hiring good, smart people and allowing them to execute on that vision. And, you know, us at, at the, you know, at, at the executive management level, it's our job to make sure that we can articulate where we're going and that we can lay out the roadmap and then let them let them do it and not get in the middle of it. And I think kind of speaking to what Chris 
said, I don't, I don't need to necessarily have somebody that's in the office eight to five. I need somebody that's going to get the job done. And so as long as they're accomplishing the tasks that we set in front of them, then we just need to, you know, we try and get out of the way and let them work. And um, our job is to make sure they have the tools they need and the, and the resources they need to be able to accomplish the tasks. So that's what we've tried to do. Great. Thanks, Jimmy. Wade? So I'll, I'll piggyback on what Jimmy said. I would use the word vision. You know, it's it's exciting to work in the innovation team in our bank uh, because that's different, right? You, you get to see some things happen. And so for us, it's been vision, having a good time, Chris. I mean, balance in life. But I think what really, there's there's nothing more fun than winning, right? So start stacking up wins. And it's, we're, we've talked about this. We've laid the foundation. And then now we're starting to see wins and results. And I think that's, uh, it's really fun to go downstairs and have a celebration that something really big happened. And so it, it's not different from any sports team or anything else. You know, it's uh, it's getting folks excited to get in here and work every day and having a good time and and celebrating those victories. So my next question is on fintech bank partnerships. An EY Finance survey found that forty percent of bank fintech partnerships failed to operationalize often due to poor alignment of strategy and execution. So employing a structured framework to guide everything from people selection, strategy, and value realization can help banks um, for partnership success. How have you navigated the aspect of successful um, integration and partnership? I think I'll start off with um, Jimmy. Sure. Well, as we look at, at potential partners, um, the first thing we look at is what's the product and is the product good for the end user? Because if we don't have alignment with our values at a bank level and our partner's values and what they're trying to offer, then it's kind of a non-starter for us. Um, the second thing, we'll, the second conversation we have is about their risk and compliance department and, and what their risk appetites are. Because again, if, if they're looking for a product that's um, high rate or has got some type of uh, predatory um, aspect to it, we're not interested in that. And more, more importantly, the fact that they don't have a compliance and risk team that, that has identified that and said, hey, this isn't a, a good product you know, to the end user is something that's that's important to us. And we we do see a lot of um, FinTech partners trying to make the move from, from Europe or from other markets that are non-domestic. And our regulatory environment is just substantially different. So making sure that they have people that understand what they're getting into and that understand the asks that our team's going to have of them doing during due diligence and, and during uh, implementation of those programs is pretty important on the front end. And it's my experience has been most most of the time that's not a long process. You get the answers to those questions very quickly and decide whether or not they're a partner that you want to move forward with or not. Um, the ones that that tend to get high centered, I think, are the ones where we don't do our job. We don't do a lot of good due diligence on the front end and really listen to what they're telling us. Right. Chris, would you like to weigh in on what Jimmy just said and add on to your thoughts? Yeah, it, if I were taking anything away, that showed pretty poor judgment. It's that's all very spot on. I'd say the other thing that you know that we try to do to because because churn right turnover, whether it's an employee, certainly a, a partner, um, whether it's an infrastructure technology partner or kind of an end user uh, partnership platform, that's a big deal. So the way that we we think about, and we've evolved to this, but um, have really started over the last six or nine months embrace this, is we think of uh, there are no differences, whether physical or virtual, in the branches of Thread, of Thread Bank. So each one of our partners, uh, we look at them as a, as a branch. And so, you know, it's funny, early on conversations, as we're, as we're in the process of likely deciding that we're going to go forward, uh, we'll have a conversation with you know, with the, whoever the business leader is, whether it's the CEO or someone else uh, at the partner. And, and I'll say, you know, congratulations, you're the newest branch manager of Thread. And the the reactions are are interesting, but I think appreciated of that's how we're looking at this. So there's one umbrella uh, that spans our entire bank from risk, compliance, operations, you know, BSA, and, and really strategy. And so that's what we're striving to do. We've got work, a lot of work to do. You know, we're a young bank. Um, but really creating that, that homogeneity and uniformity of whether it's training practices, certainly the risk and compliance, but all these things kind of normalizing uh, them to feel very similar as what it would to 
all, all the good parts of branch banking, which there's a lot, there's a lot of good there. Uh, while we're we're trying to remove all the barriers and the things that inhibit innovation, but we want, you know, we want everyone to to be bought into our vision uh, and really kind of skating to to where the bank's puck is going. And that's a, a fully integrated suite of banking services that just happen to be in virtual branches, not in in uh, in physical branches on the on the street corner. Right, Wade. Yeah, it's a uh, ditto to all of that. I think the only thing that that wasn't said that I would say is we also want to make sure folks are funded, well funded, right? They they they're not going to run out of capital. And I think just what's what's been telling for us is are they willing to take our feedback? Some are, some aren't. If they aren't, we're probably not going to have a long conversation. And the last piece of that is just simply does it fit our balance sheet strategy and our business strategy is it, or is it aligned in some way? We, we don't want to do things we just absolutely don't understand or that would never, you know, really be a part of what we do. So uh, I, I would only add those few things to what they've already said because I think they're exactly right. Thanks, Wade. Brian, would you have anything to add? Well, no, we actually did a whole webinar on it last week it was all about fintech partnerships and everything that was said here is kind of in line with that um i uh, i wanted to ask you know fintech in general has been you know the bubble i guess people say burst a little bit over the last two years with funding for fintechs etc and um, i'm wondering how that's affected your relationships with fintechs or your business in general um jimmy i, I wanted to ask you that first sure um, in terms of how it's affected our relationship with the fintechs, we've seen a definitive shift from growing at all costs to becoming profitable. And from us, from a, I mean, as a as a banker, we we love to see that, right? I mean, the 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 concept of um, really working your business model towards um, organic, you know, profitability versus trying to grow it at a, to 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 get some kind of theoretical valuation is is much more in line with what we we are used to in the banking world. Um, the, the the challenge I think has come in some of these relationships where they are now trying to develop additional revenue streams, which we're all for, but the speed with which they try and develop these and making sure that they are compliant and that we're not creating issues that that's that's been the challenge I think we have is as they try and innovate. Um, you know, there's a lot of I don't want to, working in the gray areas is not really that has a bad connotation, but I think a lot of times they're innovating products and developing products that just have never the the, the regulatory world hasn't seen or contemplated. So trying to you know take a product in it, whether it's earned wage access or um, you know a relatively low um, overdraft fee program, it's just trying to make sure that we're not running afoul of any rules regulatory uh, guidelines. And in a world that doesn't have a real clear definition. And so that's that's been part of the challenge we've had, but it's also, I think, why these fintechs are able to stay on um, you know, the path to, to profitability is that they recognize they need some additional revenue streams and they wanna they wanna bring these products up. And I, I think at least our partners were, I feel like they always have the right intentions. It's just making sure that that they're not unintended consequences or things that we haven't considered as we start to roll these products out. Chris, I'll go to you next. Yeah, you know, it, it's things certainly have changed the last six months, no doubt. Uh, even over the last twelve months, right before you had the bank-specific issues uh, around the various failures with rising interest rates and and things change materially. Um, we've seen. We I feel like we were more like a, a salmon swimming upstream initially when we started this endeavor. Because we started with a risk-first, compliance-first approach to to the world, and that wasn't necessarily the feedback the marketplace or maybe the venture capital world was giving to a lot of the the fintechs, and so those conversations, because uh, we we've held pretty steady through all that, and it's reduced friction around kind of what's required and what what do you really need to be a serious, long-term good partner in this. Things like where, you know, a couple of years ago, that concept of a branch manager might have been looked at differently. And now, because it's in good faith, right? We're not, we're not trying to stifle innovation. We're actually trying to give them the tools to really be innovative, uh, but ensure that they're fitting within the confines of, of what we need to fit them into. Just like you would have a great branch manager. They can go do all kinds of really cool things in their community. 
be compliant within brand standards, all those things, and, and really drive their business. That that's what we're looking for. And so we've seen that I think come. It, it's been a hard fought victory. Uh, you know, the market and the regulatory environment has has helped a lot. But I think that's to be that's been one of the keys. Um, you know, over development really over the last six months or so that that we've experienced. Okay. And how about Wade at First Bank? Yeah, so we're the newest in the space, I think, from uh, on the screen. But I would tell you just the the focus on capital efficiency from where we were when we first started conversations over a year ago with folks to today. Uh, we appreciate that. And I don't know, a, a, an incredible willingness to to listen and partner with us as we've had an investment that turned into a bass partner, a bass partner that turned into an investment and a, and, and a bass partner that turned into a, another entity in a partnership. So just the, the, the full-on engagement has been uh, really incredible and in, in, in just, I think it's not lost on folks that experienced bankers, you know, have a lot to offer. I do, I do, I wrote Chris's term down, warped paradigm. We bring that to the room most days, but that's my running joke of I'm a recovering banker. I'm going to steal that one, Chris. But I think just, just the, the, for us, it's been, you know, I think, quite the change and just a lot of headstrong conversations into, hey, I'll listen to you. So, um, and, and that's all a good thing, by the way. <laughs> but actually sounds like almost like a net positive to the banks, what FinTech went through um, this last year or so. So that's uh, interesting to hear from all of you. Um, I think we're going to have maybe one, maybe two more questions. Indra, if you want to, uh, 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 to ask your question. Yeah, so my next question is really like, what advice do you have for others who are trying to integrate technology and banking to embrace the future of banking? Um, maybe I'll start off with um, Wade. Um, I, I think no, I've been in this business for 30 plus years and, and that answer isn't different than it was on day one. You, whether you're delivering your services and we're delivering banking through technology or in person, it still comes down to, you know, understanding what customers really want and need, right? I mean, that's who pays it. That's who, that's who pays the freight here. So I think, you know, it's, it's cool to talk about being innovative and in, in a FinTech partnerships and all those things, but really I think uh, using all that banking knowledge and historical knowledge and experience you have, to really sift through all the things Jimmy mentioned earlier. I mean, just the common sense test of is, is it, every idea is not a good idea. Uh, some good ideas won't make money. And so being able to sift through all that noise to really find the things that you want to support and lean into. Chris? Yeah, to, just to add on to that. And like I said earlier with, with Zippy, the, the MH business that, that first makes it, I think that is, if, if you're a traditional bank who this is just a, a something new, right? A, a new strategy for you. I think that is that is the best example uh, that I could give. And wait, now we're actually on stage last summer together at the Tennessee Bankers Association kind of kicking off the meeting out in Colorado. And that was the exact conversation we had with a room full of you know hundreds of bankers in Tennessee, some small, some large. Some, you know, really weren't sure what fintech looked like or was, and others already had programs running. And my point was figure out what you do really well, what's differentiated, how do you build a risk compliance and, and management and regulatory culture around that, and go find partners who can help you break the paradigm of your physical, you know, geographic footprint, if you will. Because there's in this day and age, there's no reason for that. Many, just like uh, Jimmy was saying, you know, are, are bound. If you're in a small community, there aren't many great opportunities for growth. You can maintain what you have, perhaps, hopefully, best case. But you should really be looking for new revenue sources that aren't new to your expertise. They're new geographies that are driven by your expertise, what you do well, and that there's value add that the bank is bringing. Maybe you're an agriculture-focused bank. Maybe you're a music-focused bank, you know, commercial real estate, whatever it might be. So take that and go find new geographies that are already built around your, your culture and your expertise. Right, Jimmy. Yeah, I think it's um, clearly echoing um, what Wade and Chris have said is define a strategy. 
but think through what the implications of that are. And what I mean by that is if, if you want to uh, go through a digital transformation where you take your traditional core bank and all you're doing is adding online account opening and making it more of a, an internet-based bank, well, that's, that's great. And that's, that's one approach to, uh, to innovation. Um, we've chosen to use the partner banking model. Um, I would tell you there are different challenges to each one of those. You know, I think that as we look at, as I look back, I mean, some of the things that we didn't anticipate were things like reconciliation. All of a sudden, we're reconciliation, reconciling, you know, millions of transaction card transactions. Well, that's not something our accounting department was necessarily set up for. So we've had to build that functionality. So I think the, you know, obviously risk and compliance, IT, those are the things that we we tend to think of immediately. But I think depending on what your strategy is, there may be other. Um, areas that you need to be prepared for because the last thing I think any of us want to, is, is to get our banks in a situation where we've got growth and we've got, you know, maybe even profitability, but we've also got a lot of real problems when you start looking at, at you know, what is that done to the operational functions of the bank? So um, define your strategy, recognize where your weaknesses are, beef those up, and then execute is what I would tell you. Great advice. Thank you. Ryan? Well, just on that response, it's such a great response, Jimmy. Um, uh, because, you know, we talked about risk and compliance where most of the hiring seems to be happening now, but when you have that, you know, a clear strategy and you guys are kind of like, you know, you guys have been doing it for a while. When you have that strategy, maybe you can think through who to hire along the way, but a lot of banks kind of do it reactively as you go, you know, um, but no, a great response by, by all of you. So I'm going to just bring us to a close. I'm going to ask one last question. And this is the most important one. And this is ridiculous, but I'm just going to ask it. Why not have a little fun on a Monday? What is your favorite movie? Wade. Tin Cup. Chris. Iron Eagle. <laughs> Jimmy. Man, I'm going to have to go with Caddyshack. But, uh... <laughs> you know what? Those responses tell me everything I need to know about each person that responded. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So bringing it to a close, I just want to thank you all again, Wade, Chris, Jimmy, and Indra. Um, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. We're so excited to have Thread, Stride, and First Bank on our Tech Forward Bank uh, Index. And uh, just want to wish you all best of success in your future endeavors and uh, look forward to future conversations and interactions. Thank you. Thank you, thank Brad. You. Thanks, Indra. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.